Thanks for tuning in to Real Talk with Michelle, the podcast about purpose, where we discuss what it truly means to live your best life now. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Real Talk with Michelle podcast. It's your girl, Michelle. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. I'm so glad to have you guys back with us. There's so many good things in store for this season of the podcast. This season is all about collaboration, and I have some wonderful guests to share with you. And today is episode 69, Real Talk with Sanaa Laybourne, and I am elated to have her on the show. Sanaa is an assistant professor of sociology at the University of Memphis, an author who's currently working on her second book. She serves on the Korean American Adoptee Adoptive Family Network's advisory committee. She's host of WYXR 91.7 FM's Let's Grab Coffee, a goal-getting coach, and host of the I Love Mondays podcast. I cannot wait to get into this episode and let's get into it. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Real Talk with Michelle podcast. We're here with Dr. Sanaa Laybourne. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. And even though I know people are listening um, on audio, I just have to say you look absolutely radiant. You are glowing. Uh, I wanted to say that earlier, but I'm glad to say it now, you know, while it's official and on the record because you look absolutely radiant. Thank you so much. That is so nice. You look I mean, it's wonderful. true. It had to be said. I mean, it already existed, <laughs> but it just needed to be shared with the listeners as well. Thank you so much. I was like, when I was thinking of people that I wanted to have on, like, you know, you sit down and you're like, all right, I want to reach out to some people, but who? And then like, I was just walking around the house and I was like, duh, like, so not like I have to, like, I, I like, you just give so much energy online. Like all your content resonates with me. Like I adore you I'm like this is my friend in my head I'm like we have a lot of mutual friends but I'm like this is my friend in my head so I'm like she has to come on you have so much good to share with people and I wanted to connect in that way um like I said I did a good intro for you but I wanted to give you an opportunity to just you know introduce yourself to the guests Sure. Yeah. So my name is Sanaa Marie Laybourne. Look, the whole name, because I'm always going back and forth between just like Sanaa Marie uh, and then like Sanaa Laybourne. I mean, that is my whole name. But (laughs) you know how you have that like uh, split between the professional professional and like the personal professional. I'm doing the same here lately. I'm like, who knows how to say my last name, which one I use? I'm I'm trying to figure that out because I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to have to keep spelling my last name or trying to say it over, but I understand. <laughs> yes, yes. So I am a professor. I have my PhD in sociology, which just means I am really interested in society and people and groups of people and why we do the things that we do. And I'm also a goal setting coach, um, an encourager, and I really love food. Um, yes. And food and exercise so I guess that's good balance yes you have to be able to do both like if you like food you gotta you gotta know how to negate it like a little bit not punish yourself but you know keep it moving or else the food sticks where it goes (laughs) 
Yes, yes. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, well, I was going to just go ahead and jump in because I have you for a little bit of time. Um, I wanted to, like, your story intrigues me. I've been following you since you kind of started to share your journey with figuring out your heritage. And I wanted to let you talk a little bit about your, like, early life experiences, um, being an immigrant adoptee. And it, it was what, um... I'm pretty sure it was a white family. Were you guys originally yes. in Memphis? Like when you. Yes. yes. So, okay. I love that you say immigrant and adoptee because, you know, it's frequently the case for international adoptees that we often don't feel like immigrants because we're typically not um, in an immigrant community, right? We don't have those connections. Mm, yes. Uh, and oftentimes, yeah, and oftentimes adoptees are seen as a very distinct type of immigrant, right? So not so much that idea of who an immigrant is in our kind of national imagination, mm -hmm. but instead seen as family members to Americans. Um, and so this becomes complicated because, you know, those cute internationally adopted children become adults and we are seen as the immigrants that we are, but we're often not prepared to handle kind of the assumptions and expectations that people have of a quote unquote immigrant. Right, because you've grown up in a normal or normal sense of um, like an American family. And then once you're an adult, you're looked at completely different once you're out of that, like, I guess, out of that context. Is that what you mean? Right, absolutely. So as international adoptees, even though we do, in fact, immigrate, right, to right. the United States, there is paperwork that is, uh, you know, documenting our right, quote unquote, to be here or our legal status, I should say, to be here. Um, we are raised typically within domestic American families. So we grow up thinking of ourselves as kind of a domestic American right. um, and not having those um, connections, those international connections. And so that was definitely the case for me. Um, yes, I was adopted by a white family, um, a military couple. So originally spent the first couple years of my life in Japan, where my dad was stationed with the U.S. Marines and then, you know, to the U.S. And then finally, to Memphis because my parents wanted to be close to family. Mm -hmm. And so my mom's side of the family is from Memphis and kind of that northern Mississippi area. Oh, wow. My dad's side from Wisconsin. And it came down to a question of, right, all right, whose family? You know, like, where are we going to be? Right. And that's and totally different spectrums <laughs> of how your life is going to go. <laughs> exactly. And I do think about that quite frequently uh, because my dad's side of the family, like I said, from Wisconsin, rural Wisconsin. I mean, there are not too many big metropolitan areas in Wisconsin anyways, but they were from very rural area farming, you know, family. Um, and I could have been a totally different person. Uh, but my mom was like, it's too cold. And I'm just so happy she said that because it is, it is too cold. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, too cold. it's first of all, my sister lived in Wisconsin for a little while. She was almost getting me to come there like to help with her son. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think I can. <laughs> no. no, and you 
know, that's no knock against Wisconsin. Um, But, you know, I can think about the times that we spent, you know, summers and Christmas. And I could probably count on one hand the number of people of color I saw throughout Mm. my entire childhood and even into early adulthood there. And so that's just very different than growing up in Memphis, right? A predominantly black city. And, of course, a very distinct legacy of racism in the city, right? And so just a different, completely different experience. Yes. Um, How did, like, that experience influence you to kind of go into studying sociology and kind of getting involved in diversity inclusion work? Because you have a major, like, a lot of work there, guys, Like, uh, like, accomplished in papers like it's great like how like how did that influence you thank you yes I mean it was it was everything you know growing up in a city that at that time was very much black or white Mm -hmm. right there wasn't really anyone else um, in substantial numbers right smaller pockets of you know Latinos or Asians but very different from how it is now with growing populations of a lot of different ethnicities or at least in comparison to how it was you know when I was growing up yeah Um, and so yeah and so that really shaped how I experienced the world as not being white and not being black and as those being the only options. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our experience, how we think about the world, how we think about ourselves is very much shaped by our environment. Exactly. And, yeah. And at that time, my environment said you're either white or you're either black. And people put me on either side of that at different points in time, you know, throughout my childhood growing up. And so it really influenced how I thought about, you know, my own belonging, my own place. Um, And sociology is all about society and our social world Mm -hmm. and also groups, right? So how do different groups form boundaries, you know, norms, um, traditions within a group? How do we make sense of, of you know, the many different social institutions like school or church or, or the neighborhood that yeah. we're a part of. And when I started undergrad and was taking sociology courses, it seemed like, oh, wow, like all these questions that I had, you know, people have thought about it. Mm-hmm. And there is a way to for me to think about it or to make sense of it. And that's what originally drew me to sociology. Wow. I like while kind of while you were talking about that, my you know, my brain is like moving through what you're saying and processing. And with you saying like, you know, Memphis is very black and white. Like, d- Did you find that it was easier for you to relate like or, <sighs> relate to one side or the other? Were you welcomed a little more in one direction? <laughs> like I like there's just maybe it's off question but no that's a really good question because I think I felt um I think I felt comfortable in white spaces because my family was white right it's like people you know we first kind of relate to our family Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I had that shared sense of you know belonging um in that way but I mean, I knew I wasn't white and I knew how I was experiencing the world wasn't the way that like my white cousins or my white classmates were experiencing the world because, you know, whether or not I really knew what it meant to be Asian at that time, Mm -hmm. people still were like, you're Asian. (laughs) And so whether or not 
held any meaning to me, it held meaning to other people. Right. Um, so, I mean, in that way, it's kind of like, I felt like I belong, but I also felt like I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I felt that way as well with my black friends too. Like I felt like I was just another friend in the friend group, but I also knew that, you know, I wasn't black. I wasn't experiencing the world in the way that my black peers were experiencing the world either. So there were still distinct kind of boundaries around how much I was a part of, you know, these different communities. Yes. Okay, and I noticed um, also when I was reading too that you pledged. I don't want to like make up one or whatever, but I know that you <laughs> you wrote about it. Can you talk about like pledging a Greek organization, like sure. being a Korean woman? Yeah, so you know, I think it's very interesting because um, to your question about where did I feel a sense of belonging or where did I, I feel a sense of solidarity, yes. and I think I very much felt a sense of belonging with my black peers and also a sense of belonging with um, racially marginalized folks mm-hmm. who are experiencing inequality and being treated differently than white folks for no other reason than our race. Exactly. And so I felt a sense of solidarity in like fighting against that inequality and being joined in, um, you know, some sort of movement against uh, against those inequalities and alleviating those inequalities. Mm-hmm. So I did pledge Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated yes. when I, I was in I, undergrad. Yes, I think that's what I thought it was. I just didn't want to misspeak. Um, yeah, so I did pledge, but you know, it's interesting because thinking about it now, um, you know, at that time it was, at that time it made sense to me based on kind of where I was, like where I was in the environment, right? Thinking about in the community, in Memphis, I went to undergrad in Memphis. So kind of like those same peer groups, those same social circles. Mm -hmm. So it made sense in that, again, being in a city that it's either very black or very white, mm-hmm. right? Um, and being not white, kind of falling on that not white side, right? right. But thinking about it now, um, and I just recently had a similar conversation with one of my sorors, it's like thinking about it now, I would not have pledged a historically black sorority. Okay. Because while, you know, NPHC organizations are, you know, open to all, quote unquote, I think there is a still a meaning and purpose um, and an importance for all black spaces, mm-hmm. right? And I think as someone who's not white, not black, still a, a racial minority, there's a space for us to come alongside, work in coalition. But I think that there is, again, a purpose, a meaning, and an importance for all black spaces. And so as I think about that now, like I would not, you know, join a historically black organization and I'm currently not active in my sorority either. Mm-hmm. But I think that also speaks to just kind of having a, I think a, a, a broader sense of, of race, but also a, a different understanding of my own Asian-ness. Right. right? Um, which which has been a process, as you kind of mentioned or alluded to before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, like that's a really great way to put it, because I think sometimes people think when something is all black, it's meant to exclude other people. But it's like it is really important for us to 
have something that is our own because that was really not ever afforded to us to just have a space where we can go where it is us. And I think sometimes people will go about it just thinking that it's meant to say nobody else can like be here, but it really is just like, we would love, like you said, to have people work beside us and still like help us like accomplish things, but to just have like a, a completely safe split a space where black women can get together and kind of organize and do things for the community. Um, it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in the U S we, really are taught and learn implicitly and explicitly that um, black space or black culture is everybody's and mm-hmm. that's not the case right right. Like, right we might be able to enjoy it in some ways or participate in in specific ways right or limited ways but it's not it's not open for everyone to have right and to take ownership over mm-hmm. um, and you know I think we don't really think that deeply into it because it's been so ingrained in kind of national consciousness that whatever black people create or black people themselves are available for other people to consume or to, you know, feel ownership over. Yeah. Woo. A word. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, it's so true though. And, and sometimes we're just like, man, can't have anything <laughs> like it, like sometimes right. you just come to that it's like it's gone like if we put it out there or it becomes popular it definitely will just kind of be taken over by the masses it's not yours or just just you know we could go even further just you know the way like black women are treated it's like we are like not of ourselves like it's for everybody to consume to have to have access to and it's, you know, it's wild. I'm I'm glad that it's came to the forefront and like we're starting to be able to be like, no, like I'm my own person, my own body. Like I don't belong to you because I've definitely had to reestablish like relationships with people like I don't like I don't owe you anything. Like I don't have to do what you say or be here because you say like I am my own person. I can object. I can have an opinion. And it not be argumentative or want to do something for just these people and it not be looking at like I'm trying to exclude someone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, kind of want to like take it out of kind of interview mode. I feel like the first few questions I always have for guests are just really interviewee. But um, a lot on the show, we definitely talk about starting to I feel like everybody's kind of starting to just kind of be conscious just to wake up to realize like we shape our lives everything that we do on a daily basis like we can change any point in time that we want and I try to push to people if they just kind of say to me like they're not happy with where they are and they they're trying to figure out their why's why they're here what what kind of work they're supposed to be doing um, do you feel like you are kind of starting to align with your your life work, like your purpose work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I do. And, you know, I think you can only begin that kind of purpose work or that life work when you first align with yourself. Yes. So a lot of people will not be able to uh, fully step into their life's work um, in a conscious way, right? Because mm-hmm. we can still do the work, but not have that connection between the work we're doing and who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, first it does come down to um, having a deep appreciation for who you are and 
I definitely see that happening in my own life in, you know, embracing all of who I am. I talk a lot about like being free from shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you let go of shame, then you can actually be who you are. Right. Because yes. shame says I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. And so if you think you are a bad person, no one wants to be a bad person. Right. right. Um, and so if you think that it really limits what you do, the relationships you have, how you show up in the world, because you want to hide. Like we want to hide the things that we think are bad about ourselves. Yes. <laughs> and those so, are the things that yeah. people end up liking the most because it makes you human and real. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think as, as I am um, getting deeper and deeper into knowledge and acceptance of myself, mm-hmm. then I can show up for other people as well. I think when it comes to my own kind of like purpose, I feel like it is very much tied up in vulnerability, okay. which I mentioned a lot. Yes. And like being vulnerable with myself first and then being vulnerable with others. And that's that showing up, right? Like when you show up as yourself, there is vulnerability in that, in being, um, in sharing yourself in that way, being exposed in that way. Yes. I did, vulnerability for me, I think was maybe 2020 because I think everything just kind of imploded. It was no longer like you could, hide from anything I like I had went through some difficult things in my life with like a death and a divorce and I had made the decision like right then that I was just gonna just tell everybody the truth I'm like this is what happened like you know we tried it's the best I can tell you I know you guys are connected to us as a couple but it's not gonna be like that anymore some of you are gonna go some of you are gonna stay but this is it (laughs) and you know people we made mistakes things happen but I think if I would have allowed myself to be ashamed of that, like this new version of me wouldn't have been able to like come forward. Like I really had to say, I'm not ashamed of that. Like it happened. I gave it a good shot. I tried my best, but I will be happier moving forward on my own. And then just kind of even being vulnerable and showing like how my lifestyle changed. Like I don't, I live in an apartment now. I love it, but I had a house, you know? So like things had to, you know, be downsized. And I think there's shame in that for other people, but I just kind of looked at it like a new beginning. I was like, I get to start over. I get to like reshape everything from here on out. I find excitement in that. I know it scares a lot of people, but that was like my vulnerable moment. And I tell people, I hate it. It's really like I like fight through the vulnerability. Like every now and then I'm like, my stomach is in the most knots, but I'm about to tell this story and try to get it out there because what's on the other side of that is always the best. Yeah. I mean, I think those are the moments in which you know it's vulnerability, where you feel those knots in your stomach. And it is a moment where you can affirm yourself because that's yourself saying, like, this needs to be told. Mm -hmm. And you get to make the decision in that split second of am I going to share it or am I going to bury it and hide it? Right. And. Yeah. And I, you know, in 2019, I made the declaration, vulnerability is my superpower. And it was an absolute lie up until that point in my life because I had avoided vulnerability, like avoided it at all costs. Mm -hmm. 
And so I was like, no, I'm going, no, I'm going to make this statement and it will be so. And I just remember so many moments where I felt those butterflies in my stomach and I'm like, well, Sana, guess what? That means you need to say it. That's yeah. the indication that you need to say it. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm very vocal. I'm a chatty person, but I definitely knew that I was like keeping keeping things down like okay like I like I'm, I'm ashamed of this I don't want to tell this or people are going to judge me on this and I'm like I can't I just can't keep doing it like I can't because I don't I didn't feel like the full expression of me when I was like hiding things mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's very exhausting to hide so much to you know to deny parts of yourself it's very it's very tiring mm-hmm. um you are a goal getting coach, which I like that. Like, it's not like goal setting or like it's goal getting. And like that, that it resonated with me so much. I'm like, because most of the things, if I write down, I'm getting them. So I liked reframing that. Just be like, I'm setting some goals. I'm getting my goals. So you're a goal getting coach. Tell me how you kind of segued into that work. Yeah, well, first, thank you so much for acknowledging the goal getting. Yes. yes. <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, how genius is that? Yes, we're getting them. Like, we're not yes. setting them. We get the goals. Absolutely. Yes, and that, <laughs> that was the whole intention behind that. Because I was like, goal setting, like, what is that? Like, Everybody does that. <laughs> also, like, goal setting, you're not even sure if you're going to achieve this. Exactly. Goal getting, like, it's a different orientation. Like, these are the goals that we are getting. Yeah. We just have to find the right strategies and the right support to do so. Um, you know, one thing that I really have enjoyed throughout my life is kind of being in the background and assisting folks in going for their goals. I love that. I absolutely love that. I I think that is one of my talents. Um, I just have a a belief in people. Mm -hmm. Kind of what you said earlier about like, we get the opportunity and at any moment, you know, we can decide, okay, you know what? This isn't for me anymore. I'm going to change direction. Like, the limitations we have are really limitations of our mind. And what I love is when people are excited about a goal or, you know, some direction they want to go in. And there's something about the excitement. It is the hope. It's like the, the human hope, that yes. optimism. And, and a lot of times what people need is is encouragement mm-hmm. that doesn't even take any special skill. Right. <laughs> like, Just to tell somebody, you got this. Right. People need encouragement. And then oftentimes people need people do need help with kind of like routine tasks or mundane tasks, like looking up some information, making a phone call, doing something right. Mm -hmm. That, again, doesn't really require specialized knowledge. Yes, you do need specialized knowledge, you know, at a certain point. But there are certain things that, you know, are just kind of general assistant kind of behind the scenes groundwork type stuff. Yes. And if I can provide that to people, I feel really really great because I'm helping you you're reaching your goal and I don't know I just really love it and so I was like why not kind of do this in a way where potentially more people could benefit from it and I can really share you know what I've learned in playing kind of these support roles um, to different folks um, throughout my career and so that's kind of how it started it's really because I enjoy it and I want to share that with others 
I love that. Like, I don't think people understand last week, which I was just like, I was having a week. Everything was rolling. I was like, I, I took something that you did say and I broke things down because I was like long to do list person one day, Monday. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. So I did start like making like micro things, like breaking them down, being like, OK, so like you said, this day I need to call this person. Or I need to research platforms that I want to put the coaching um, stuff on and like how to streamline that and like. It just, the week went really great when I broke it down into just giving myself two or three things to do, focusing intently on those three things and nothing else. Like, don't think about graphics that you need to make or just these three things and knock them off the list. And I mean, that like last week went really great, but it's just, I think people get caught up in like the, the thinking about the whole thing. And it's like, you can't think about the whole thing. Like you have to break it down because each thing, like I try to remember, like each task that I accomplish pushes towards the bigger goal. Like it's like uh, like how they say when you're manifesting, like you you think about what you want, but then you keep every little small step you take is actually how you get to the thing, which <laughs> like you don't want to like blow people's balloon with like manifesting is just like actually doing the work because they don't like to hear that. It's like it doesn't just appear the car. I would love it. But it's the small steps you take, like checking your credit, seeing what that is, and then, you know, seeing if you can afford that car or saving. Like, it's all what manifesting is. But every time I, like, hear you, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's, like, she's dropping gems on the Internet. I hope people are listening to this because she's telling you how to accomplish your, like, accomplish your goals, your tasks, whatever you have set for yourself. Um. Oh, let's see. I wanted to talk about because I like I haven't listened to your radio show, but what's Let's Grab Coffee? It sounds so yeah. interesting. Yeah, Let's Grab Coffee is dipping back into that research side. So I talk to different researchers and experts about their work and kind of what they know about the world around us. So um, it's just kind of like sharing research, but with the public in a way that is easy to understand and digestible because so many people are doing important work, again, about society, about things that are going on. Uh, but it's often, you know, in books or in articles that mm -hmm. people don't necessarily have the time to read <laughs> or just even break down like what those terms would even be without having to you know look up the words <laughs> the entire Absolutely. time yes so it's more of a, just a conversation between myself and usually it's one other person sometimes I've had a couple guests on at the same time and we talk about everything mm -hmm. I mean we talk about just whatever kind of their area of expertise is so we talked about the blues we've talked about comic books we talked about you know uh, oh. voting um, police brutality uh, math um, religion I mean the topics are just wide ranging um, and it's you know every Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time on WYXR.org so you can listen anywhere in the world and of course if you're in uh, Memphis then it's on 91.7 FM and what I love about it too is that it archives or it's pushed out in the podcast format so you don't have to listen live 
you can listen on Apple or Spotify. Yes. To Let's grab coffee, WYXR, and it's, you know, all there. That's good to know. That's pretty much how I listen to all my NPR because I'm doing stuff yes. when some of my favorite shows come on. So I'm, but I love having them archived because I can just go back as far as I want and listen to it all day. I love yes. that. Now I know I can find it. I'm going to look it up. Yes. Um, okay, so I have to go to the woo-woo just a little bit. Um, what is your relationship with spirituality? Because I know we, we follow a lot of the same like kind of accounts online, and I'm into when the retrograde is and what's happening. <laughs> what's your relationship with spirituality? And kind of when did that start to happen to you where you were aware that there's something yeah. else? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I think my, my relationship is, is ever expanding. Mm-hmm. It's growing. Um, as a person raised in the South, you know, my first kind of introduction to spirituality, or I should say really religion more specifically, of course, the church. Um, I was in church, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> Weren't we all like, I was like waiting for the age where my, my mom was like, you don't have to go if you don't want to. And I was like, what? I'm staying home then. <laughs> Never was that presented as an option. I was probably 17. And I think she was like, you could just stay home. But she also had my nieces and my nephews by then. So she was over me. Like she got to dress oh. them up again in cute bows and stuff. So I was out. <laughs> So, I mean, church was a big part of my life, um, a huge part. And even, in fact, my mom and dad met through the church. So definitely big part of, you know, just my experience growing up. Um, I was raised in the Salvation Army, which is a church. A lot of people are surprised to learn that. Really? I don't think I knew that. Yeah. So people might know the Salvation Army because of like the thrift store or uh, maybe like the women's shelter or men's shelter or rehabilitation centers. Yeah. Uh, But it did start as a church originally um, back in 18 something in England, if I'm remembering my church history correctly, um, (laughs) by William Booth, who was a Methodist preacher. And he felt like the church was really hypocritical because, um, you know, they weren't ministering to, you know, homeless or prostitutes or you know the people out on the street and so he started kind of his own offshoot of Methodist um, and called it the Salvation Army for reasons that you could probably guess (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it is kind of like a a military-ish structure Um, but you know I found religion to be very restricting and very punitive and very um I didn't get a lot of answers. You know, as a child, you have a lot of questions. And I needed more answers <laughs> than just, <laughs> like, I needed more. I did, too. I went to Catholic school, and I remember asking, uh, like, real questions. Like, I just, I wanted to know certain things. And, and I mean, now I might can understand that, you know, like, you know, immaculate conception a little bit but back then I was like I don't know like how does that happen though and they're just like stop it you know they think you're playing and I'm like I'm not making a joke I just have a question yes yeah <laughs> I mean you know so I had all these questions and no one had the answers and I remember when I was in I think it was the summer before my 11th grade maybe or maybe it was the summer after I don't remember but I went to this summer program at Emory called the Youth Theological Initiative and it's still going on but it was just a month-long program and we learned about world religions 
and we went to different types of churches or different types of services throughout Atlanta. And that was really formative for me because it was learning about these different belief systems and seeing how people worshiped or how people experienced God or the divine or however, you know, they were thinking about religion and spirituality. And I think that kind of set me, you know, on a, on a course to be more expansive mm-hmm. um, and kind of not so confined within like this one view or vision of God and religion and mm-hmm. spirituality. Yes. So as you know, I'm very much into astrology. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I'm always, you know, right now we're in Venus retrograde Mm -hmm. and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, And I think, you know, maybe is it real? Is it not real? I don't know. But sometimes the things are, you know, oddly correct. Yes, sometimes I'm like, wow, yeah, that's definitely what's going on. Because sometimes if it's, if I feel it's getting wild, I'm like, wait a minute, let me let me check in and see what's going on in my little apps. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I think, you know, when I was younger, especially in the Salvation Army, because they have very strict like views on like um, no alcohol, no gambling, no astrology, (laughs) all under the same tent. Yeah, (laughs) like and it's not the same thing. Right, it's not the same thing, not the same, you know, impulses or same kind of orientations. But I mean, I think, you know, from a, a Christian standpoint, the idea is that nothing else should come above God and you should not be trying to predict or foretell um, mm, the future, yeah. right? Um, and so I do understand that because if you could tell the future, then would you not be God? But mm-hmm. in the sense of if we are created in God's own image and everything that is available to the father is available to the son and therefore available to us, then, you know, it's just more questions. Right. And then here we go. <laughs> like, And then this is set up on like the the astrological system, which does exist. And like I like. There's a little science to that, too. So I'm like, I'm not discounting any of it. I like I always try to tell people, you like, you know, don't model your whole life around it or like get super obsessed with it, because I think that's when it becomes where like what, you know, the church might have you think like it it could be considered ungodly, quote unquote, because you're, you're really now you're like almost worshiping and getting into like thinking tomorrow's going to be like this and you're living your life like a certain way and not being a full expression of you if you think you leave your house you're going to break up with your boyfriend just because (laughs) the article said it (laughs) so now you're just like not talking to anybody you're staying inside (laughs) yes I mean in that sense you do have to be careful you know to create that you're not creating an idol out of astrology so I do think there is a balance because anything to its extreme can then have that power over us to where we are at its altar and we are worshiping it so it is balanced I mean but I would just say you know we have to remember that the three wise men did use astrology in order to find baby Jesus yes they did Um, so (laughs) I mean you know there is a space and place Mm -hmm. for astrology and you know I I keep it in its space and place I think there was a time when I was younger where I was obsessive and I (laughs) I probably was that person that was like well my horoscope says don't leave the house or don't turn on the tv or eat you know three green beans tonight you know like and I'm doing it and yeah okay so it was extreme at a point but I think I'm now more in that balance Mm -hmm. and I think spirituality 
you know, if God is the universe, there is very expansive and it's not just the God that we might learn um, in Christianity or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe in other religions as well. Yes, I agree. My kind of relationship to spirituality definitely came with like a moment of like just where you kind of which I call like also a God moment where you like have with yourself and you're just like what is going on with my life like it just seems like things are on like this constant spiral and I kind of came into I don't even know how it happened but I just came into looking at something on the internet almost and just you know look like looking things up and it just kind of being like you were having this moment where like I was needing to actually come back to God because where in my younger life I was just like I am sick of religion I got it in school I got it over here I'm learning Catholicism and then I'm like I'm like African-American Methodist over here and it's just I'm like I'm sick of that because it was restrictive and I couldn't ask questions and I'm an inquisitive child to being like so far away from that that I needed to call God back I'm like hey sorry I like took a little minute but can you come over here we could chat because I'm like I need to get this show back on the road like get the train back on the track and it just kind of let me know like I can make my own relationship with God and it doesn't mean that I have to go to a church if I want to I can but I can talk to God in which I maybe like I was telling a friend, I'm like, I think I've always chatted with God. I talk out loud and I'm like, what's going on here? What should I do about this? And I think the whole time, like sometimes I would get answers to those questions by those supernatural ways that people say like don't exist we're all like turn on the tv and they're like this is what you should do today. And I'm like, what? Like I was just I just said that. Like so I take those things and I'm like okay there's something there's something mystical happening here and I'm the catalyst for all of it and it's and I think I I latched into spirituality that way like I'm a co-creator like God's the creator I'm I'm in the I'm in the passenger seat or we're riding shotgun and I'm like I'm gonna take back over my life and it I mean so many things change like I just I no longer identified as being depressed or having anxiety. I realized like the depression is the past. The anxiety is too far in the future. Like that's it. Like living very present became like my spirituality. Yes, I love it. And, you know, definitely I've had those God moments where I know like this is God speaking to me through people, through dreams, through a variety of different kind of outlets. Yes. Um, and, you know, sometimes we get to be those people that God is speaking through as well. Um, so definitely that co-creator, you know, position is, is ours for sure. Ah, and it's so powerful when you realize that you have it and it's like how can I get other people to see this and like share a light and I think that's just kind of how I came into wanting to do coaching because I'm like a lot of people ask me they're like how are you like what's going on like notice the chat like what happened and I'm like I gotta share this and I feel like I was supposed to I've always been a chatter I've always been a talker I've been told to shut up my whole life all the way through school and I'm like I have stuff to say so now I'm like I get to share my voice and kind of help other people come out on the other side of not thinking they have control over their existence because that's that's how they keep 
we were taught that way to keep us oppressed. So, like, once you can realize that, then you can come out of it and change your life. Yes. Be whatever you want to be. <clears throat> I, I want to ask you, too, because I know you, you do so many things, and I'm super impressed by them all. I kid you not. You will, you will have a, like... You'll have a lot to say about you, but how do you balance all the things, your mental health, your self-care, your fitness, your schedule, your professor, like how? Um, you know, I first, I only say yes to things I want to say yes to. Uh, I think when you start saying yes to things you don't want to say yes to, that's when you feel that stress Mm -hmm. and that's when you feel um, that anxiety because you're out of alignment. So we say yes to things because it's expected or we don't let people down or, or, you know, whatever the reason is, but it's not an authentic yes. And we all know those moments uh, and that can lead to feeling out of balance. So to the extent that is possible, I only say yes to things that I actually want to say yes to. So that helps That's a lot. Golden. <laughs> <laughs> a lot with balance. I think the other thing is what you said earlier about being present. Um, and it kind of goes back to to what you said about like breaking the task down, right? Using using that approach because multitasking is a lie and multitasking takes you out of the present moment. Um, and so I think when you're able to be fully in the present moment, you actually experience more enjoyment mm-hmm. because you're not separating yourself into so many different directions yes. um, or trying to be somewhere other than where you are, mm-hmm. which I think relates to what you said about that control, right? Releasing control. So being fully present and I don't, I think about self care in a sense of not bubble baths and candles and chocolate although those are all great (laughs) (laughs) but I think about self-care and not just on Sundays or Saturdays or you know whatever I think about self-care as a daily practice that involves me being responsible to and accountable to my well-being and so that might be um chocolate and candles and bubble bath. <laughs> right. Like if that's what I want today, treat but yourself. It might, yeah. It might also be eating a healthy meal, getting that exercise in, putting my phone on do not disturb. Um, and so self-care, again, it is that responsibility and accountability to ourselves because we have to hold ourselves to the standard that we should be held to. Yes. And that is self-care, right? Being accountable. So it's not just doing whatever we want whenever we want. It is actually being um, being disciplined in a certain sense and being held, you know, responsible and accountable to who we who we are. I agree. That's very well said. <laughs> very well said, because for me, I think of self-care in the same way. It's really not, honestly, bubble baths are not relaxing to me. If I'm in there, it's because I am sore. It's like, it is to soak from like a terrible leg day or something. And I might just read a book while I'm in there. But um, self-care for me really is if I'm just feeling out like the other day, I was like, I ate my lunch and then I was just like, I really don't want to get back on my computer. Then I like made a thing to myself. I'm like, hey, you do have something you need to get accomplished. But what if you just took 
15 minutes, you scroll the internet for a second, look at some, something you want, find enjoyable, and then, you know, after that, go back over to your computer and finish your work. And I did. And I was like, wow, that was really all I needed. I just wanted to lay out. The golden hour was happening outside of my window. I wanted to see the sun like set. And that was really like energizing for me in my form of self-care. And then I went ahead and like did my last hour of work. Like, so I try to do that for myself. I don't have like a very conventional schedule. And I think everybody thinks I'm probably just sitting around (laughs) because I don't talk about every little mundane task or goal I have to do sometimes because I'm like, nobody's going to find this interesting that I was just like writing forms for clients (laughs) to sign. Like, it's not super excited to talk about, but um, that. I probably do, because I'm home, a little more work than people, I feel like, who some people anyway, who have to clock in and most of them are on Facebook all day because I see them. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's really important to me. And I'm always motivated by seeing you wake up, do do your stories, and then you go and you work out. And I can kind of see you move through your day. And it's very admirable. Thank you. Motivating. Um, Okay. Well, I'm going to take a pause really quick so we can um, hear from the sponsors. And we'll be right back. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. We're still here with my guest, Dr. Sana Layborn. And it's been such a minute, but I am super excited to get back. I started a maybe in uh, mid mid-November, I actually physically had a gratitude journal. I have a journal and I write in there, it, it gets wild. It's like my free thoughts. <laughs> so I'm like, my gratitude gets lost in there and I start talking about the rest of my day. So each day when I woke up, I put a little black notebook by my bed and I would write three things I'm grateful for. So I, when I open it, I can just read the things I'm grateful for and not have to search through my random thoughts. <laughs> but um, on the show, we do a section that I call the daily gratitude and I want to get you Sana, to just tell us um, one thing that you're grateful for today or many whatever okay um, well first um, what I'm grateful for every day and it's true today as well that you know we have the opportunity to decide what type of day we're gonna have how we're gonna show up in the world and you know it's these choices each day that over time become our life and that is exactly what you talked about earlier about mm-hmm. like we have the the agency to decide and that's what makes me excited because literally today can be the day that you decide I'm no longer doing whatever I'm putting that down I'm picking up something else and it's as simple as that it's as simple as that that's it that's what I tell people I'm like I I had somebody actually tell me they're like wow everything you say that you want to be next you are next and I'm like it's that easy if I'm if I say like you know what I want to do coaching and I like do each step on the process to like make it a thing like then I'll do that I did the same thing when I want to own a business I was like I kind of want to work for myself and I like researched it and did all the things not having somebody else pointed out to you sometimes you're like wow you, you know what you're right because I think sometimes when we're in it we just think we're doing the thing and other people are like wow you said you wanted to 
do a podcast and then you have 60 episodes later and I'm like it's really just you can I, you can tell me tomorrow you want to be an astronaut and I'm like well what do we need to do like have you started researching like you know is it too late like <laughs> but I like that's a wonderful thing to be grateful for Yes, but I'm grateful for something else, too. Yes. Um, I'm I'm grateful for us connecting in this way. And it is so, it is such the aligned time because I have been thinking about you for the past month. And I was like, we have to collaborate in some way. And I didn't know if it was like... um, Oh, like, you know, somewhat random DM. Hey, when you come in town, we should go grab, you know, brunch or something. I didn't know if it was going to be that or if it was some sort of way for us to, you know, cross promote each other. But I it was in my mind and I've been thinking about it. Yeah, probably for like the past month. So it was not a surprise to me that you reached out, (laughs) even though I should have reached out to you first. That's okay. It's been on my mind. Um, so I am grateful that um, the thoughts I had are, are shared because, yes. you know, you are thinking about me in the same way. Yes, that's so it's it's amazing. My, like my mom is like, I think about you and you call me and I feel like the same way about her. So like. I think it was only natural. Like maybe you made it happen. Like you popped in my head. It was almost instantaneous. And I was like searching around for your email. And I was like, let me just ask her for her email. I wanted to go about it completely professional at first, but I was like, nope, I got to hit her up because she has to be one of the people. It's like, I'm not taking no for an answer unless she's really busy, of course. (laughs) But um, I'm so glad that we connected too. And you can still DM me (laughs) and ask me to go to brunch when I'm in town because I would love to I was like um I definitely um noticed you because I am um old friends with uh, a friend of yours and I was just like wow she's popping up I was like I hope he's not mad because like I like her better now (laughs) like (laughs) like, you can move on I'm like I want to be friends with your friend (laughs) but no like you're like you have a magnetic personality I before I even knew you two would ever probably meet each other I was already following you because you were friends with some other people I know and I was like I'm really intrigued by this person like always like from back then it's been a long time um I will tell um everyone I am actually grateful for today um I've been speaking about it um online in vulnerable moments about being able to collaborate. So you're the you're the first person um, who's scheduled and who I'm getting to actually collaborate with with intention, really. And I wanted to go about it this way. Like I've had guests before, but, you know, it's just kind of been people who are like, hey, I wouldn't mind being on. And I'm like, OK, like we can we can talk about it. But this was more of me like saying I'm going to reach out to this many people. I'm like, you know, setting this goal for myself. I'm going to reach out to these people. I'm going to hop out of my shell, be vulnerable, ask, because I have a big problem asking for things. And um, so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to collaborate and start to build community with other people who align with me, like are like similarly like on my path, kind of moving through things. Um, and that's just made my heart so full these past couple of weeks, just being able to chat with people <laughs> and share our stories. Um, 
With that being said, this is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. This is episode number 69. Woo! 69. <laughs> 69, Real Talk with Dr. Sanaa Layborn, and I'm so happy you're here. Sanaa, tell the listeners where they can find you, because I've bigged you up so much, they got to know where to get you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, you can follow me on Instagram, at Sanaa Marie Only. That's S-U-N-A-H, Marie Only. Um, of course, I'm also on WYXR.org. Let's Grab Coffee, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. I'm also on Dope Radio FM every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, dropping just a quick motivational message for your Monday. And also podcast, I Love Mondays with Sanaa, available on all streaming platforms um yeah let's go get those goals tune in so you can get all the goal getting strategies mindset reframes and personal development tips i love it y'all you have to listen to i love mondays watch it listen subscribe rate do all the things leave her reviews wherever you can leave reviews it's important for us podcasters that are trying to kind of come up and make our way in there um yes and i want to thank you again for coming on the show and guys we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks bye hi guys one more thing before you go please make sure to rate subscribe and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts you can also catch up on the podcast on youtube at the same name real talk with michelle make sure to hit the notification button to be notified when new episodes go up you can like our facebook page real talk with michelle and give us a follow on instagram at real talk with michelle you can also leave voice notes in anchor and if you'd like to send in your guest gratitudes or you'd like to be featured on a future episode or you have topic suggestions you can email realtalkwithmichelle at gmail.com if you'd like to support the podcast you can at www.anchor.fm that's f as in frank and m as in mary backslash real talk with michelle backslash support thanks for tuning into this episode of real talk with michelle i am so grateful for you i'll talk to you again soon bye